For as long as we have lived, for as long as we have known, love has carried us. You're listening to the Sermon Podcast of Genesis Covenant Church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. You can find out more about us at www.genesiscov.org. Enjoy the teaching in it together. Thank you so much. Hey, it's good to be together. And actually, this Sunday is a very important Sunday in the life of our church. It is becoming liturgical as we do it year after year after year. And today is Team World Vision Sunday. Let's give it up for Team World Vision. Come on. I'm resisting the urge to put coffee on the Lord's table. Doesn't go there. Uh, so could we all welcome up John? Now, John is a runner, a biker, a swimmer. He's an Ironman. He's a marathoner. He's everything. He's also the captain. Jesus, forgive me. He's also the captain of Team World Vision. And he's here. Uh, you're going you're gonna to tell us what's going on this year and how Genesis is going to start partnering, what your journey, hopefully a little bit of your journey too. Everybody, one more time, get up for John Croslin. Thanks, Steve. Like Steve said, my name is John Croslin, and my family has been with Genesis since the start, and uh, we absolutely love this community. Uh, there are so many wonderful outlets in this community, and one of the things that I got involved in, as well as my family, is with World Vision uh, team. Uh, World Vision, for those of you that don't know, is a Christian uh, humanitarian organization dedicated to helping children, families, and communities worldwide. They want to bring out and reach out and bring the full potential of tackling the causes of poverty and injustice in the world. It is actually the largest non-governmental provider of clean water uh, in the world. Uh, last year, World Vision reached out and started 4.6 million people with clean water. That's incredible. They've actually come up with processes that it only takes about $50 to provide one child with clean water for the rest of their life. For the rest of their life, $50. And did you know that the lack of access of safe drinking water is the number one cause of preventable death in the United States and around the world? Most people actually die every year from drinking dirty water than they do malaria, AIDS, and war crimes combined. In Africa, moms and children, mainly daughters, will walk on average about six kilometers to get water that's dirty. Sometimes these moms and children will have to do it multiple times through day where it takes up their entire time and they have nothing else to do all day besides walking for water. This water is filthy, it's full of disease, it's often shared with wild animals, so you can only imagine what that's like. This water walk, is what they call it, is also very dangerous. Uh, parts of regions in Africa, uh, these children are walking, and they deal with human trafficking issues, uh, and they also encounter wild animals, like I, I talked about earlier. However, this is really their only option for water. I actually can't imagine my two children making that walk on a daily basis, let alone myself. 
Uh, in fact, I often complain about if our water heater goes out for a day and I have to deal with cold water. That's clean. Clean water changes the life of these children. It provides them better health, nutrition, able, able to go to school instead of making that walk. The money raised through World Vision is, in, is used in these communities to build wells, solar pumps, pipelines, water catchment systems. It helps them with sanitation facilities. And that's just to name a few of the things that World Vision does. World Vision creates a sustainability in their communities and not just a quick fix. That's extremely important. I'm actually very proud. This is going to be our fourth year of Team World Vision. Our three years prior, our church has raised $116,465 towards clean water. Again, this equates to 2,329 children that has received clean water for the rest of their life. Incredible. I'm very proud. So how do we raise this money in this type of community? We run endurance races. The big endurance race that we typically run is the Twin Cities Marathon in October. And at this point, I probably lost some of you, <laughs> if not all of you, by saying the word marathon. So let me briefly share my story. I sat three years ago in that spot, listening to Sinead, the director of Team World Vision, talk about what World Vision is all about and how the children are affected over in Africa. I had to do something. I actually felt the nudge from God saying to run, to run, run, run. I came up with every excuse in the book while sitting there listening. Too busy with my personal life. I got a stack of work that I need to complete. I don't have time and energy. Heck, I, was, I don't even like running. Um, <laughs> and even you today and myself might even be thinking, I'm not going to run in snow in July. My gosh, that sounds terrible. And, and quite honestly, look at me. I'm not quite the textbook marathon runner bod. And quite often, actually, on my last race, I usually, have, I usually have somebody come up to me, running next to me, a stranger, and they'll say, you're kind of a bigger dude to be a runner. And I tell them, I'm trying to bring sexy back. Thanks, Charlie. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. So before my first marathon in 2015, I was a typical, I like to go out for a 5K run, do something like that. Since then, I've ran a few half marathons. I've ran four marathons since 2015, and I just completed my first Ironman in Madison for Team World Vision. Ironman is a 2.4-mile swim, 112-mile bike, and a marathon at the end, and you have to complete it within 17 hours. And I give it all to God. I, just, I decided to trust that nudge and say yes to advocate for the children. So, and I'm so thankful I did. It has changed my way I look at my life and the way I, I operate. My children, Haley and Jacob, often donate to my fundraising page on a consistent basis. Haley, who just turned 13 this week, 
wants to run her half marathon this year for the first time to raise money for the most vulnerable children in the world. And man, does that make a dad proud. Why do I continue to run these crazy endurance races? These children have voices and they need to be heard. These children have hopes and dreams just like our children. They want to be doctors. They want to be lawyers. They want to make a difference in this world. So I look at myself as trying to be a megaphone for these children. Kirk Spencer, a member of our church, ran his first marathon last year. He has also taken on, for Team World Vision, Ironman Madison this year in September, and I'm so excited to watch you on that journey. Kirk is a megaphone for these children. Many of you sitting that I can see out there have been megaphones for these children and have ran a marathon or half marathon, and I thank you for that. You've stepped past your fear, and you trust that little nudge, and you took it on. So, I ask all of you to listen to that nudge or look past your fear and join the team. There are different ways this year that you can join the team. You can be a part of the full marathon team. There's a half marathon team. And this year, there's actually a half Ironman team in Minnesota, which I'm excited about, and I'll be doing that. Of course, you can always do all of them if you're really crazy. <laughs> I, I promise I won't. Not this year. I want to create a legacy. I want to end on this. I want to create a legacy of giving back and teaching my children that some of the sweetest things in life are when you sacrifice your time and energy towards helping others. We will all leave a legacy at some point. The question is, is what will be yours? So if you're interested, and I hope all of you are, all of you, <laughs> I'll have a brief 10-minute meeting after church. We'll meet over there uh, to answer any questions or concerns or fears uh, that you may have. And thank you for your time. And thank you for all that you've done for World Vision. Buddy. Awesome. Thank you. I didn't hear you say it, but you're just expecting everybody stays for that last meeting because everybody wants to be. I'm really glad. Okay, where's Miss Kirsty? Would you, would, would you all please welcome Kirsty to the stage? She's going to read our scripture for the morning. We are clappy. We are happy. Thank you. The reading this morning is from 1 John chapters 1 and 2. We declare to you what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. This life was revealed, and we have seen it and testify to it, and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. We declare to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we are walking in darkness, we lie 
and do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you. Well, here's, here's my question for the morning is, uh, how's Easter going? You know, we're in, in, the, in the church year, we're still in Eastertide. Uh, how long does Eastertide last? 50 days and culminates in Pentecost. Okay, we're doing good. Why do we spend so long in Eastertide? It's nice, okay? <laughs> Who said that? Sean? Not surprised. It's nice. It's, it's um, similar to Christmas in that the, the topics, life, light, green, they're nice things. Why else do we spend so much time in Eastertide? It's worth celebrating. It's worth celebrating, okay? Uh, we believe that uh, the war that love waged on evil worked, that love is stronger than anything else in the universe, and so it is worth celebrating. Why else do we spend so much time in Eastertide? David, say that louder. Absolutely. Over here. Ordinary time is actually really long, yeah. And there's only so much you can uh, sit in those prophets. So is Lent, right. I'd like to go back to, I think, David, where, where you brought us is where I have been uh, this season, realizing Eastertide is so long because it actually takes a while for me to work into what Easter is. And how it works, and and what exactly it's done. For a lot of my life, I've judged. Well, everyone, if you know me, I've judged everyone. Um, but specifically in this case, the disciples. Um, they've spent how many years with Jesus? Three years with Jesus. And Jesus has been playing with them. He's told uh, the disciples everything about the kingdom, and Jesus dies, and do they understand it yet? No. Yet here I am 2,000 years later saying, I'd, I'd have understood it. I'd have got it, right? Okay. <laughs> so that's why we have Eastertide <laughs> for me. Sorry. Um, so this week's passage is interesting. It's, uh, it's fantastic out of First John wondering... Um, why are we dialing in so closely to the workings 
of salvation. And I would say this passage to me this week has been speaking to me about what it means to be a steward of salvation. A steward of salvation, a steward of the good work that was done. Um, so when I say a steward, what uh, word association, what comes up for you? What does steward mean to you? What does that trigger in you? Caretaker. Servant. Responsibility. Tend to. Cultivate. Garden. I think these are beautiful, beautiful imageries. And, and actually, I think this passage is saying, look after your salvation and look after your community salvation in this way. Actually dial into how does it work. Uh, so uh, first of all, for an example, uh, a couple examples of stewards. Uh, I recently was visiting my mother. And when I'm with my mother, uh, we tell stories all the time. It's how we bond. It's how we create new memories as we tell stories of old memories. And then all of a sudden, there we are. And it's wonderful. And she was reminding me that um, guitar was my instrument before I found piano. And, and I love piano more than anything, uh, instrumentally. But guitar was first. And when I was five, it was the first time I stood up in front of my church of hundreds of people. It was at a Sunday night. And I sang, Jesus loves me. Aww. Now, I didn't know how to play music, but it was inside me. And wanting to do it again, uh, that desire just grew. And so through the years, I thought what I wanted was to be in front of people to play music. The more I stewarded the gift that was inside of me, I realized the same joy could be had in a practice room by myself. And so as I got to know what exactly was engaging about music, I realized what it was about and what it was for, that I could use music for more than just in front of church, that I could use music lots of different places. And so as I was a steward of the music, I understood it. Does that make sense? How about when I got married at the wise age of 21, when I understood what marriage was about, what it was for, how to be a good spouse, right? If you knew me at 21, you know this. Um, I thought marriage was for a certain thing. And mostly, quite honestly, without realizing it, I thought marriage was for me. And as I was walking through that relationship, realized there needed to be more and more levels of understanding of how to steward that relationship, how to be responsible for it, how to tend it, how to garden it. And I love the gardening metaphor, especially because in a garden... The enjoyment factor is for so many different living things, right? Not just the gardener. Okay, can we walk through the passage a little bit, and we'll just ask some questions and, and dialogue. Everybody okay so far? Okay. We declare to you what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. So right away, we're dialing into exactly what we know, which is not talking about what. If we're only talking about what we know, what we've touched, what we've seen, what we've tasted, what are we not talking about? Hmm? Mystery. Good. 
What else? What we don't know. Keep going. What? The unseen. The future. So right away, in communicating what Christ has done, where is that understanding rooted in? Is it theory? Is it theology? Is it the right answer? Or is it something that's already happened in our life? And so what we're doing here is concerning the word of life, we can find life in what we've already seen. We can find life in what we've already heard, in what's already happened to us. And these truths of salvation are from the beginning. What does that mean? What we've seen, what we've touched, what we've experienced has actually been happening since the beginning. Are you catching the weight of that? Does that feel heavy? How often do I think that my life has ties to the very beginning of the world? Not very often. But this is saying that what we have seen, what we've heard, the things that happen in our church community, the things that happen between us as friends, the things that happen in our life together, the essence of these things have been happening since the beginning of the world. I think a lot of times when I'm, when I'm meeting with us, uh, it's hard to trust that what's happening in our life is good. Does anybody resonate with that? It's hard to trust that my trial is significant in the grander scheme of things. And I would encourage you, whatever you're going through, no matter what it is, it is an opportunity to find the essence of all things. It is an opportunity to dial into who is God and what is God actually like. Okay, verse 2. This life was revealed, and we have seen it and testified to it and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. We declare to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So here's my question. How does the act of sharing what you know and what you've experienced create fellowship? Before we understand what to share, we have to understand what we've been through. So there's some work there. But how is sharing our story, how does it create fellowship? Empathy. Inviting people in to the story. Absolutely. Um, Braden, where are you? Raise your hand. Where? In the back. He's a drummer. He, he sits in the back. Um, Braden and I didn't know each other a little while ago. And uh, I'm going to pick on you. I didn't, but I won't, I won't, I won't share the embarrassing stuff. Um, so Braden and I, we met a little while ago. And strangers. Until we sat down and had dinner and he shared his story with me. 
right? And in sharing his story, all of a sudden, I understood how God is one God, there's one spirit, and he's moving all of us towards himself, and there's a lot in common. Is sharing your story fun? Sometimes. As a culture in Minnesota, work with me here, as a culture in Minnesota, do we share our story often? No. What's that? Say more, Charlie. <laughs> Poor Charlie, he bit, didn't he? He bit, he bit hard. We feel like we have things to protect. Okay, let's start. Can we, can we just pause here for a minute and, and, and zoom in? We don't share our story because we feel like there's something to protect. I totally resonate with that. What are we trying to protect when we don't share our story? False image of ourselves. False image of ourselves. Meaning what, Greg? We want people to like us, so we pretend to be something we think they're going to like, which takes us out of What? our true selves, which means can we ever actually have real fellowship with anyone at that point? What is, what is this snake called in the garden? Serpent. He's the deceiver. Finding these lies is so important. When we read a passage like what's in 1 John, and it just seems like a bunch of gobbledygook, Right? It's what we've seen, what we've heard, we declare to you. Okay, grab a trumpet and get on the top of the roof. Good. But truly, what's actually happening is a call to ourselves. Share who you really are. And to the extent that we do that, in this community, there's a lot of stories of people being able to open up and share who they actually are. Can I get an amen from anyone who's done that and it's worked out? If you're wondering... Can I be myself? You can. If you're wondering if I open up and share what's happened in my life, will I still be accepted? Yes. Amen? Uh, okay. When we share, let our sharing in part include the stories of shipwreck. Shipwreck leads to salvation. And we all have those stories. And in sharing those stories, maybe we find out a little bit more about how salvation works. When that death actually transitions into life. Because that's our faith. That's what we believe. Moving on. Verse 4. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Just to continue zoomed in, to continue going with what Charlie said about um, sharing the vulnerable self. What does full of light mean to you? Yeah, no hidden anything. 
What? Snap for Karen. Good job editing. There's Christians here, Karen. Let's be good. <laughs> Generally in the front. Yeah. What else does full of light mean to you? Beautiful. Overflowing. Desire to be close to you. Yep. These, these, these are the words, these are the feelings, these are the, the evidences of salvation. Fullness, abundance, overflow. No hiding, nothing, nothing to, to cover. And so when life feels that way, that's salvation. When life feels scary, when it feels confusing, when it feels like you need to cover something up, that's not salvation. That's bondage. And how many times in our life do we just think, well, that's just the way it is. Just get through it. Tomorrow will be better. I would encourage you to just pause and go, if it's going to be full of light, how does this scenario become full of light? Moving on. Verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him while we are walking in darkness, we lie and do not do what is true. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I wrote down here, and, and I, I, I think it's mostly true. <laughs> the marker of walking with God well is that you have fellowship with others, and it goes well for you. There's a way that we can see how Jesus walked through his life. And when you think of Jesus in your mind, does he seem like an angry person? Does he seem frustrated and crabby all the time? Yet there was plenty of conflict in his life, right? There were plenty of people who were out to get him. Yet somehow he figured out how to walk through that with peace in his heart, with light coming out of his heart. I have this story of uh, working in a church before Genesis. I also have this, this story actually working here uh, with our senior pastor, our beloved Steve, who is at Genesis East. Come on! It's the first Sunday this Sunday. We love them. Glad I remembered to give them props before now in the service. Uh, so I have a couple of these stories. Again, jud judgmentalism is a, is, a, is a sin of mine, and I, I, I do it without even knowing I, I'm doing it. And in my professional career working at church, I have picked other staff members as being the one thing wrong with all of Christendom. Don't wow me, Karen. Okay, imagine you finally found the one weak link. And if you could just fix this person, then everything, Jesus would come back. <laughs> and uh, this, this conflict that I'm referring to uh, at, from another um, church, so many people began to find out about it. Everybody knew that I was conflicting with this other person. And finally, someone who loved me very dearly, Matt Anderson, who planted another covenant church in, in South, he came to me and he said, 
Steve, do you love the band? Yes, I love the band, Matt. And I just describe how I love the band. Steve, do you love, do you love your family? Oh, Matt, I love my family. I mean, I was just, I, like Charlie, I just bit real hard, right? And uh, Steve, do you love me? Matt says. Yes, Matt, I love you. You're the best friend. Da, 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 da. Do you love this person? No, not at all. I don't. In fact, I think they're the worst thing that's ever happened. I think, <laughs> well, it's like, Dad, are we really going to this church? <laughs> I think it's important to know that in our own community, when we are walking in light and walking in salvation, there's a way to walk in peace with each other. There's a way to walk in hope that even though you aren't doing what I think you should do, even though you aren't saying what I think you should say, even though I think you make our church look bad, no, it's about being together and the Spirit allowing us to be in harmony and joy together and speak to what we know, speak to what we've seen, and allow there to be fellowship among us. Yes? Amen? So the end of that story, just to finish it, is I, I realized that I didn't have love, and I began to ask God to grow love for me, or for that person in me. And if you've ever done that, it's, it's about the, the hardest thing in the world. But it's good, and, and it made this, this beautiful story out of it. Verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. My question there is we have sin. Let's not, let's not kid ourselves. Sin is just not, not pointed towards where we need to go. God is the master gardener, and he's created all of this to flow in a certain way. And sin is when we jump outside of that, and we aren't pointed towards the design of joy, of fellowship, of forgiveness, of harmony with each other. And we all try to jump off those tracks, right, without even knowing it. And so are you, are you tuning into that? Are you watching for those things that aren't salvation? And if not, come talk to me. Really, there's help. Verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Meaning, if we look at Jesus' life and see how he lived, he worked so hard to live well. Do you see how hard Jesus lived? He got up early to pray. He was up late with people. He was working with his friends and dialoguing, arguing, conflicting. This is the work of salvation. This is how we stay tuned into it. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the atoning sacrifice for our sin, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Salvation, what we have seen and heard is salvation is an offering. Salvation is a gift that I believe we can offer each other. It's freedom. Freedom from the offense that just happened. Freedom from the pain of being in friendship together. Freedom from the expectations that aren't met. We can offer salvation to each other.
Let's become stewards of salvation as a community. Not as an impressive, we have to pay attention so that we all know what we believe and we all say the same thing at Genesis Covenant Church. It's not that. Dial in and become stewards of how your salvation works. Of when you feel the light, when you feel the joy, and when you see the freedom. Become stewards of that in your life. And as we do that, what's going to happen is the kingdom is going to come from heaven onto earth. And everyone's going to see that God is real. Amen? Well, let's move into a time of 60 seconds where, Lord, would you uh, have our heart? My heart is that Easter would work itself inside of me, that my own laziness and my own um, complacency, that my own just being in this community and, 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 and not paying attention at times, that that would decrease and that you would increase the hunger and the desire to find out how salvation works in my life. Jesus, what you did was so important. And help us to take this time to zoom into that and become present to what it means, how it works, and how to offer it to others. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you.